Hey everybody, we just wanted to thank you all so much for coming out to the event, the Rent Control and Now What event last week. And we also wanted to give you all the footage of the video so that you can go back and reference all the valuable information that our panelists gave you. In case you don't know who I am, I am Crystal Moore, host of the Value Add Podcast with K&K, and I am also the broker and owner of Pacific Shore Capital, a real estate uh, financing firm specializing in commercial and multifamily. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Kenny Simpson. I am a co-host along with my lovely wife of the Value Add Podcast with K&K. And if you don't know what I do, I focus on one to four unit residential financing. Please enjoy the video. There's so much great information here for us all to learn from. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming tonight. I know that uh, dealing with traffic and all that is not always easy, but I know we're all here to learn a couple things about the new law that just came into effect, AB 1482 on January 1st. Um, but before we do that, I just want to take a minute to thank our sponsors who helped us make this event possible. Uh, first is David Kirian with Think Office Interiors. David, he provided this fabulous furniture that we have up here and the seating area. <laughs> Next is um, Casey LeBlanc with New Venture Escrow. Yep, he's got the cold brew coffee over there. So if you're a coffee drinker, check it out. Um, next is Michelle Aflalo with Ives Insurance, and she's done probably like 70 to 75% of our clients' insurance. She saved some people hundreds, some people thousands, and some of our clients tens of thousands on insurance. So you guys should definitely talk to her. She handles the full gamut. Um, and then next, Cameron Aldrich with Chicago Title. I feel like if you don't know Cameron, you've definitely heard his name. So... <laughs> Cam's a good friend of ours, and he's helped us out on a lot of deals where we wouldn't have otherwise been able to get them done. Um, and then we have, of course, Chris Robinson. He is the broker and principal of Acre. <laughs> and you guys might also know him as the apartment geek. Um, if you are not signed up to get his weekly email, I highly, highly recommend it. He sends um, a weekly email with tons of value for apartment owners and just kind of talks about a lot of different topics. So I definitely recommend it. Um, next, I'm going to get into introducing our panel here uh, and then we'll get it kicked off. So Molly Kirkland is the Director of Public Affairs for the San Diego County Apartment Association. She also provided us with a very informative handout, which goes over the AB 1482 laws. If you don't have it, you should grab one. But she also covered a handful of other things that passed on January 1st that you may want to know about. So that's a really good handout to have. Uh, next is Alan Nevin. He is the Director of Economic and Market Research for Xperia Group. He's been on our podcast, and I've seen Alan speak a couple of other times, and he always just has really valuable information about the market. Um, and specifically multifamily. Uh, then we have Mike McDevitt, MAI appraiser with MDS Realty Advisors. Most of you here own apartments in the room, and Mike's probably appraised one, if not all, of your buildings. So we're happy to have him here. <laughs> um, and then Richard Alter, eviction attorney, here to answer all the hard legal questions for us tonight. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> and then last but not least, our very own apartment geek is going to give the broker perspective up here tonight. So, yes. Without further ado, I will kick it off to my husband, Kenny Simpson, to get the party started. Thank you. 
Okay, here we go. Anybody want to learn about rent control? That's it? I think we should just stop there. That's not enough enthusiasm. So um, I think we should just kick it off with Molly because Molly gave us this super duper flyer, which if you guys do not have one, please get one. So um, if you don't have one, grab one. Molly, can you just jump in and quickly talk about just on the first page, the laws, um, some of them, like I said, I know this is not the other law, but can you just kind of go through these quickly if there's anything that we need to know of value? Uh, absolutely. Can you hear me? Okay. I can't hear myself. <laughs> um, it's pretty, you can all read. So you can see what we were able to defeat early on in session that could have been really bad. Um, one thing I'd like to point out is there were two just cause bills that did not get out of the assembly. Uh, and at the same time, when AB 1482 got out, it had no just cause in it. It got rammed in when it got over to the Senate side. So it was kind of interesting that there was, there was no support for just cause on the assembly, but nevertheless, it ended up in AB 1482. Um, AB 724 was a bill that would have created a rental registry at the state level and uh, kind of created some panic for us because we thought this is a slippery slope to a rent board on the statewide level. You would have had to submit data on your units, your rents, um, possibly your tenants, um, and it, it could have been really bad. So we were pleased that we were able to defeat these. I would like you to take a look at SB 329. Um, I did find a typo. It doesn't wad. <laughs> it adds. Um, source of income to protected uh, sources of income. So meaning now you have to accept Section 8 and VASH vouchers. Gone are the days of no Section 8 or I'm sorry, I don't accept Section 8. Take those out of your ads ASAP. So it's very similar to what the city of San Diego did um, a couple years ago and went into effect August 1 of last year. And um, SB 644, just if you get military applicants and they're moving in, you know, with themselves or dependents, you cannot charge them more than one month's rent in security deposit anymore. If they're moving in with roommates who are civilians, that goes away. So those are some of the major ones in addition to AB 1482 that you should be aware of. So let's talk about AB 1482. We have to. Here we go. <laughs> all right. I think you all know at this point, it is in effect. Um, your rents are now capped within a 12-month period at 5% plus the change in CPI. Um, it says the change in CPI from April 1 of one year to April 1 of the following year. What we found out as we got into this um, is that for our regions, San Diego and, and Riverside, there isn't an April CPI figure anymore. They stopped reporting each month, and they only do bi-monthly reports in odd months. So we kind of said, wait a minute, what do we use? So we've been advised from Assembly Housing and others to use the March figure of 2.2%. So in San Diego right now, your rents are essentially capped at 7.2%. Um, if you have properties elsewhere, you'll see there's some other uh, figures for you. If you're in an area that doesn't have a report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, you get to use the state CPI, which is 3.3%. So if you're in one of these nether regions, kudos to you. Uh, <laughs> um, I will say we are working on cleanup language as we speak, meaning we are trying to clarify 
many a thing, and many a thing needs clarify. Rick will talk about that, um, including the CPI and, and how that will work out for you. Um, additionally, and, and it's probably the bulk of the bill, even though maybe not as much of a concern as the rent cap, we now have statewide just cause, meaning you have to have a reason to terminate a tenancy, and there are two types. You have your at-fault cause, so that's going to be your non-payment of rent, your nuisances, criminal activity, what have you, and then you have your no-fault cause, your owner move-in, um, you know, substantial remodel, which is defined, and you can read that definition there, and those other few scenarios. The thing you need to know about the no-fault cause, that triggers a one-month rent relocation payment. And you either need to do that within 15 days of serving the notice or waive their last month's rent. So, and, you know, I won't read this all. Like I said, you're, you're all literate. <laughs> but you'll see there are some exemptions. Um, they're kind of few and far between. New construction within the last 15 years. And that's based on your certificate of occupancy date. So if you... It's kind of like a rolling 15 years. You're going to have to look at your COO dates, especially if you have different ones on your properties for different buildings and see when your properties get folded in. Um, there are exemptions for single-family homes and condos, so long as they're not owned by a corporation or a REIT or an LLC where one of the members is a corporation. Um, and then there's some other exemptions. You know, If you're already under rent control, if you're um, an affordable property, meaning the rents are already capped for um, a certain period of time, then you'll be exempt. That's kind of the nuts and bolts. Any specifics you want me to go over? Um, no. Question for you. Do you think anything would be changing, in your guys' opinion, with the law, for better or worse? Yeah. Well, like I said, we're working on cleanup language. Um, we're, you know, and, and Rick, again, will talk about this. Things are not well-defined in this bill. For instance, Gross rent, which is probably one of the most important components, not defined. So we get a lot of questions. Well, does that include pet rent? Does that include rubs and utilities? And we're kind of like, eh, you know, there's different schools of thought on that. And, you know, you can get 20 attorneys in a room and get 20 different opinions on this bill because it's written so poorly. So in addition to some of that cleanup language, we are trying to get banking in the bill, meaning if you didn't use your allotted percentage, you can use it in you know, a few years later. Um, that We tried that last year, and it didn't really fly, but we'll, we'll keep trying. Um, we are trying to get means testing for relocation payments. We don't think that if you're not of a certain income level, you're not, you know, in need, that you should get a relocation payment. Again, something we, we brought up last year that didn't really um, gain any traction, but nevertheless, we're going to try. What I will say in the long term, besides cleanup, this bill probably won't change a whole lot this year. What, and my, I suspect that because one, it just went into effect. It's an election year and nobody wants to ruffle too many feathers. Um, but what I think is going to happen because this bill is, as I keep telling people, is like a self fulfilling prophecy. 7.2 is a lot. The average rent increase is usually like, what, 3%? People are going to start getting higher rent increases. The legislature's going to be, like, oh, shoot, we didn't mean for that to happen. Now that 5% is going to be 3. And then, when then eventually you're just going to be looking at CPI. And what happens if CPI goes negative? It happened in 2009, I think. No? <laughs> 2008, yeah. So, you know, I would love to say it's going to get better. We'll try to improve it in terms of its functionality and the definitions and, and that kind of thing. But quite honestly, we have a super-duper 
majority in the legislature and common sense is no, not so common, the industry that, that they regulate, they don't listen to. So it's really hard to, to say that you know, in 10 years that this bill is actually gonna go away. It's supposed to sunset. I have no doubt that they'll just say, no, re-up it and it's permanent now. Exciting. Sorry to depress you. <laughs> Get drinks. Anybody want a drink? So speaking of attorneys, Rick, you got to hit the bottom button. <laughs> Click it. Oh my God, it's here. Holy moly. Rick, can you just jump in, um, piggyback on that? What's your input? What do you got? Well, a lot of this stuff is going to get decided in different courtrooms. And unfortunately, if you put the same issue in front of three judges, you're going to get six different answers because they're going to change their minds. That's a problem. Um, in San Diego, we've got 16, 17 legal aid attorneys. The, the good news is I have a really good relationship with them, and I know what they're thinking about this law um, because I helped them with it <laughs> to understand it. Amongst, there were three people that worked on their legal aids answers to this, and I'm good friends with all of them. There's a lot of confusion. This, this was a very badly written law. I know their intent was just to take advantage of landlords and make entitlement housing for everyone, which you know I'm all for um, as long as it can be in La Jolla Shores. Um, if, if it's not, I, I don't know. There, <clears throat> one of the issues that exists, potentially, is in the just cause evictions, non-payment of rent. Uh, somebody is smoking and you got a no smoking clause, which you can have. Smoking is not a protected class. I always hear people saying things about discrimination. Well, my goodness, we discriminate every single day. You know, I happen to be dating a blonde, but before that it was a brunette. Well, I can do that. It's okay to discriminate. You can discriminate and say, I don't want to rent to lawyers. I wouldn't recommend it, but, but you know, we're the worst. There's, so let's just cause eviction. So you serve this pay rent or quit notice. You serve this perform covenant or quit notice. Well, there's some dispute because the statute says after you serve this, you may serve a three-day quit notice. Served a three-day pay or quit. Now you serve a three-day quit. You may serve a three. It doesn't say shall. There's a lot of confusion. So is it three plus another three for another notice? Do you have to serve two different notices? No answers. We got no answers. And someone's going to have to figure that out. My guess is it won't be the legislature, but they can't figure out anything. Um, let's, let's talk about, what should we talk about? What do they ask me to talk about? Ah, well, this is a practical one. This is a really good one. What if you raised your rent before March 15th of last year? You win. <laughs> you win. <laughs> if, you, if you had a crystal ball and looked into it and said, oh, my goodness, hi, folks. I didn't see you over there. 
uh, and said, well, I'm going to raise the rent, oh, 15, 16%. And prior to this law, as long as you gave 60 days notice, you could raise it as much as you wanted. Well, that 30 and 60 day thing just disappeared. The good news, a little bit, it'll go away, I, I promise you this, is the city of San Diego, which Donna Fry gave us in 2004 a Just Cause Ordinance that talks with tenants' right to know. Well, right now, Donna Fry, who did a, given what the draconian thing we just got with 1482, did an almost reasonable thing. And right now, that is protecting the city of San Diego from some just cause stuff. And, but they're going to take that away from us. I promise you, they're going to make it. It's got to be just as much. Um, okay, so March 16th, you raised the rents. Well, here's the good news. You get to keep that extra rent until January the 1st. January the 1st, you have to have a rollback to 7.2% from when you increase the rent. Remember, you've got 12 months to work with this. But, and you have to send notice to the tenant. What I would like you to do is say things like, you know, we're, we're restructured everything and, and we're thinking you should have a reduction in rent. As opposed to saying, your government, your state government said, we have to do this. Say, you know, we wanted to do this for you because we're good guys. Now, there is some wording that you're supposed to use, but as long as you do the rollback, no one's ever going to question it, you know, your motive. Um, what, if, um, what if we don't do that? Oh, that's a great question. And they don't pay rent and we go to eviction. Well, if... If legal aid gets involved, I promise you'll have a problem. <laughs> what what would what, what do you think would be the problem? They they would say you're now your pay rent or quit notice asks for more rent than you are entitled. It overstates the amount of rent owed, and they will make you go back to square one. So that that's not a good thing for you to do. You really so basically, if you fix it now, fi you you have to fix it now. Fix it January first. Don't wait. You need to have fixed it. it. If you haven't done it, do it. You really do need to do that. It's important. Yes? Twelve months is, 12 months is when you last changed the rent. You figure it out that way. It's, you're not, and there's confusion. Devin, there's confusion about that, too. Because they didn't really say what's the trigger date. But my thinking is, okay, you raised it, let's say, March 16th. From March 16th, oh, you charged the extra. Now, you're going to be stuck with January 1st, 12 months from January 1st. Each, here's one of the dilemmas, and Molly will attest to this. Each one of your situations is going to be different. It used to be I could, I could go in and talk to people and, and make them laugh, and now we're crying. And... And we, we talk about, okay, this is, this is all you got to do. It was, I, I've, I've been doing evictions for 41 years. When I started, I told people I was six foot two, and I'm five, and I'm five eight now. I, I don't know, what, it, eventually you wear yourself down, I guess. It was a different world 
it's a way different world now. So each situation is different. Get counsel. Talk to a landlord-tenant lawyer. Don't just talk to a lawyer. This is a hybrid field now, um, and there's a lot of good attorneys. Not just me. There's a whole whole bunch of competent people out there. Um, You know, employ them. It will be worth it in that courtroom. Um, Use your mic. So I can help you turn it on. Um, can you hear me? Yes. So if you've raised a rent and you're at your cap, say 772, can we incorporate additional rent like parking, utility reimbursement, et Chris, cetera? that is a great question. Unfortunately, the legislature didn't really get there. They, they don't have an answer for that. Um, so what do we do? I, because I I'm feel like we're at Vegas right now, and you're saying I should hit, but should I hit? Nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you hit. Um, I'm going to tell you, don't, don't take those chances, because you could get some, some judge or some legal aid attorney that wants to appeal this, and all of a sudden, you're spending a lot of money to get a little bit. You're going to be rent- raising your rents, 7.2% this year, and probably for every year after that, unless, as Molly suggests, the legislature gets to us again. Well, in three years, you're up 24%. That's not a bad return, if you think about it. Legislature, as you suggested, Molly, didn't think about that. They just thought, what can we do now? Yep. What, you know, and unfortunately, they're still in power and they can still change these laws. So what, what I tell you to, I would tell you to consider all the, the here's how, you, uh, uh, let's look at utilities, because utilities is a little bit different than everything else. The, the cost of living index is going to factor in some utility increases. Uh, pet rent, still, oh, is it what? It, it, exactly my point is it's rent, uh, parking rent, and one of the issues with you know calling this stuff rent is the legislature called it rent. You could call it charges, but then you couldn't put it in your pay rent or quit notices. You'd have to do perform covenant or quit notices. Well, are you want to are you going to do an eviction for? $50 of pet rent. I don't think so. Now, now, things may be changing because if that person's paying $850 a month and when you upgrade it, all of a sudden it's now $1,500 a month, you might take that chance. It's a possibility. But right now we don't have any, any, anything to define it. It's a great question and I wish I had an answer, but no one does. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, can I piggyback yeah, go ahead, on that yeah. quickly? Um, what we've been advising, to Rick's point, is if, if, you're pay, if your tenants are paying it with the rent, like your pet rent or their parking, what have you, it's going to be considered rent. Utilities is where it kind of gets weird. I, what I would suggest is if you use rubs or you've got submarine, um, that's not going to be considered rent, especially if it's being paid through a third-party biller. 
and rubs and, and utilities, as we know, those fluctuate. It's not a hard number that stays the same like the rent. So that's kind of what we're advising our members. So Rick, I'm gonna get back to you. I'm gonna come back to you. We wanna hear some good news. And I think Alan, Alan, are you gonna give us some good news? We got the mic on, that's good news. That's good news, yeah. I, uh, Jeff, after spending the evening here, I want my Ferrari back. <laughs> I had a bright yellow Ferrari for a yeah, long it's back time. back there, I think. But uh, there's one or two out there that I'm looking at. Um, this is a bill of unintended consequences. It basically gives all apartment owners justification for doing major remodeling and kicking out all the tenants and raising the rents an absurd amount, which is very possible here. You know, the average apartment unit in this county is almost 50 years old, and most of the stock is C, and most of it's in decent locations where people would desperately pay more to have a modern apartment. They're living in C's, but they can afford B's. And the, the act is very clear. You can't do a lipstick on a pig routine. You have to have a contractor and the tenant has to be out 30 days. It has to take 30 days to remodel. So you gotta put a new water heater and a bunch of new things. But once you're through with that, you can get whatever rent you want. Uh, one of my clients has a, a project that they did the full remodeling on, and they raised their rent 70%. And I thought that was just amazing, and they've got waiting lines to get into the project, which is even more amazing. But it's a nice project now. But you have that opportunity to go ahead and do major remodeling. And I say major, we're not talking 100 grand a unit. I mean, we're talking maybe 30 or 40,000 a unit, and not only does that give you the opportunity to move it from a C to a B and get B rents, but it also will drop your cap rate so that the value add for doing a remodeling is really huge. So this is, this is a gift to you uh, in today's world, and I heartily recommend uh, Remodeling. So um, let's jump into that. Robo, what do you think about that? You're, you're basically, you've got, we're used to people buying um, value-add properties, right? So they, they want, basically, like Alan says, everybody loves to take a C and make it a B. That's where we're making, a lot of people in this room have made a lot of money doing that. Correct. Um, what's the conversations like now? What are you seeing out there? you know, in regards to that? Um, it's very location sensitive. So the Hillcrest and the, the hot urban, you know, submarkets, um, if it, if it, va if the, if the location's good and you can get those bigger market rents, then it validates going in and spending 30, 40 K a door or whatever it may be. Now where it's going to get tricky is, and I, I'm more of the sales um, part of this is the the let's call it C plus B minus to you know the the tougher areas in town where if if there's a potential um, 
you know, somebody needs to sell. And a lot of what we're dealing with now is a kind of transfer of wealth. So uh, people passing away, be a lot of the older um, and, and kids getting this and then wanting to basically cash out. Or, you know, you still have your D's, your, your divorce, your death, you know, death. Um, those markets, it's tricky. And, and I think m the metaphor that I've used a lot in the last few weeks is I feel like we're in a room and there's been, there's been dust kind of kicked up into the air by the rent control, by the new restrictions. Until this settles, it's going to be <clears throat> a little unclear on how this on how this kind of pans out, it could take twelve or twenty four months. I think, um, at least, and I think you know, <clears throat> it is kind of business as usual. You know, from my perspective, um, there's a lot of assets that are still trading right now. Cap rates are super low. Cap rates are misleading because we sell based on current and pro forma, and a lot of the brokers now are kind of looking at each other, going, "How do we underwrite this deal?" Are we doing current plus 7.2%? Um, and it's too soon to tell what's going to happen because there's a lot of, I don't want to offend people, but a lot of crappy areas out there with low, you know, rents that are 25, 30% under market or more. And brokers are putting those on the market with pro formas at the, the current top dollar rents. And I just don't know. Um, I don't know if those are going to sell. And if they sit, and there's more people that are kind of over being a landlord in San Diego, simple economics tells us more supply you know, may, may soften some values down the road. But it really, it's, it's, it's just location. The, the top locations are going to still, um, I think, warrant the big remodels. Can because, I chime in? Yeah. Please. So, um it's already, I would have agreed with, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying, but I can tell you right now, it's already affecting sales. I just talked to two different brokers today that sold project in Ocean Beach area, 60 units. Probably a lot of people know which one it was. Um, they had an offer pre-rent control, 20 million. Same guys bought it because they finally listed it after rent control and went for 18 and a half. That was the haircut. Huh. And it was basically to do, because the mar the rents were 70% below market. I mean, so yeah. um, another project on part <coughs> that just sold, December, same thing. Yeah. So you're he, seeing haircuts in, he, in escrow. Yeah, talking to the broker today. He's like, for sure, if we, if he goes, if we didn't have rent control, that he listed it at seven two, it sold for seven eight. He goes, I would have listed it in the mid eights mm. and started there. So definitely think it, it's it's not going to affect properties that are at market. It has to me the market. It just uh, it doesn't matter because I mean, as you said, if you could take seven percent every year, sign me up and let's go. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know anybody that wouldn't want that. But it's the mom and pop that I was talking to somebody earlier. That hey, um, I've been, I haven't raised the guy's rent since 2012, and now I go in there to raise his rents, and they hit me with this AB 1482 to you know, and he's just like, "What are you talking about? I've, I've been subsidizing you for six years, and now 
I'm trying to get, I'm not even trying to get market. I'm just trying to get a, a more, a higher rent. And now I can't. And so those are the properties. The mom and pops are the ones that are going to get punished that haven't been keeping up with market. That's what I'm, I mean, that's what I'm seeing from a lender standpoint. Like you're saying like, Hey, I, we want to sell this and you have brokers that are going to show you market rent that's you can't attain yeah. unless you empty the project out and rehab it which there's still a lot of that you know a lot of that those buyers are still out there and want to do it but yeah. i would say the margins I, I would think you would agree have really shrunk on that i agree for what because owners have been wanting more like hey i can sell for more i can it's it's almost like the condo conversion when that condo conversion craze started people were buying apartments for 100 grand when it ended they were paying 250 300 a unit and they were just passing it on like hey well i'm going to sell them for 500 now yeah well when it crashed it crashed and all that came back down and it's kind of like the same thing where you know hey we'll just keep increasing rents and it'll make sense but it's good. I think we've got to a point from at least what I've talked to a lot of different owners and management companies is it's a lot harder to get the higher rents than it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. They're getting pushback. Things are sitting longer. Hey, we're having to give things away, you know, so. Yeah. Um, we're noticing that across the board as well, just uh, from, a, from the rent side, just, just what you said. Harder to fill things and harder to kind of push to that next level. Yeah, and we're willing to maybe, um, you know, obviously everyone, it seems like part of the reason why they get higher rents is everyone will take a dog now, yeah. you know. And some of these projects I'm seeing, like, you're taking dogs that you, I guarantee you the insurance isn't going to allow you to have. Yeah. You know, like, it's like you knock on the door, you're like, oh, I'm good, I don't need to go see it. Michelle yeah. says no. Yeah. <laughs> So, so Mike, quick question for you. So for most of us that are going to buy a building, uh, we're going to get a loan. So that means we got to get an appraisal. And that means that sure. you're so, involved. So how, have your method, how is your methods changing? Are they... So for, like I said, for properties that are at market or near market, it's not really going to m- matter. Like if you, can get, if you could get your building probably within two years to market... It's not not really, especially the the larger owners that are buying that I talk to. They're just like, if we can get there, we're long term. Takes us two years. It takes us two years. It might be three years. But if you're seventy percent, forty percent, like in the case on Park, they're like forty percent below. It's you're for me. If I'm appraising it out on a refi, it's like, hey, guess what? I take your rents. I increase it seven point two percent, and let's cap that and let's see where we're at. That's the reality. That's where we're at. And um, maybe able to kind of give you a little bit lower cap to help the value push that up a little bit. But you, you're going to be confined. You're going to be debt, constri- you know, uh, income restricted from the, the loan amount. So there's not even, the value is not going to matter at that point. Do so, you have like a, a percentage of... Um, if you're going to, like, pre-rent control to now, if you're looking at the same building, where value would probably come in, if you can just give an example, like, hey, I appraise this building pre-rent control. Well, if I like, appraise that one. Like I is- said, like the one, the, the 60 unit that sold in Ocean Beach, I mean, you don't get 60 unit projects in the coastal areas. So, I mean, the thing was they were getting hammered by buyers. 
but pre-rent control, earlier this year, they had an offer at 20 mil, sold it for 18 and a half, and that to the same buyer, and they had multiple offers for the property, um, and they had both people that are looking to go in there and empty it all out, and the, the group that ultimately bought it are just going to do it as they turn. And that the owners that were selling it, they had owned it for, it was the father had built it, so they, and they were friends with the tenants, and that's why the rents were so low, and, you know, it's just that, that story. But they were, they wanted that buyer because they're friends with the tenants, and, hey, they're not going to kick them out, and it's not, they felt good about that. So um, in that case, it was 10%, or a little bit less than 10%. I mean, that was... The, the discount, I mean, you know, and, and and that, just so you know, with that, if, if I would increase those rents uh, to, on the 8%, or I, I, yeah, I did 8%, it was a two cap, is what they paid, a two cap. At 18.5. At, huh? Yeah, at 18.5, two cap. So, Rick, quick question for you. So we're talking about value-add properties. Yeah. Um, we buy a C, we want to make it a B. How does that look if I buy a C right now and I want to get everybody out? Um, can you walk us through the best to your ability of what that scenario looks like, how we're going to do that without getting in trouble? Okay. Yeah, I think I can give you the, my best shot at this. You got to be right. We're counting on you. <laughs> I'll be as right as I can at this very moment. <laughs> you, you still have just, uh, excuse me, no-fault evictions, which say we are going to do huge renovation. I mean, these are my words. That, and, and I passed out um, what the law is and the person that wrote the law some answers to usual questions. Um, naturally, he skewed it because he wrote it, but you, you've got some insight into it. So you have to pay him the one month. That's next to nothing. But you've got to be able to do substantial renovation. And you will see substantial renovation is called out in the statute. It tells you exactly what things you need to do. You're going to need to do serious plumbing, electrical. You're going to need permits. And I'm telling my clients, get your permits first and then do this. They've got to be out for at least 30 days. I think we got a shot at it. But here's the real question. We talked about discrimination just a little bit. Who do you choose first? Which unit's the worst? Which person came in last? I don't, I don't have answers for you, unless you're going to do the entire complex. And, and there may be some people that buy smaller complexes that are going to do that. They're going to say, you know, I bought this for a song, Mike, and I got extra, buck, extra buckets of money because I didn't pay as much as I should have. I'm going to get rid of everybody. I'm going to pay them a month of rent. Hell, I'll pay them two months of rent just to get rid of them. And then I can do this substantial renovation. And you look at this, 
And here's what will happen. You are going to be challenged in landlord-tenant land by the legal aid attorneys. Is it really substantial? Where are the permits? We're going to need to bring contractors in to talk about what's going to happen. I have every expectation we're going to have little circuses going on um, in Department 60. That's where we're doing all of the evictions in San Diego County right now. Um, but it's, it, it exists on paper. They had to give, give landlords something to hope for. But in every event that someone, one of my clients is thinking of doing this, I'm going to make them jump through the rings of fire. Because if I don't make them jump through the rings of fire, and we get into court, if they've missed a ring, you know, they're going to lose. I don't want my clients losing. One of the things, just a little protection for you. In your rental agreements, put an attorney fee cap, $1,000, so that you're not going to get nailed by a couple of weasel tenant attorneys. And trust me, we have them. They're, most of them aren't at legal aid. Um, I've been, I'm the landlord representative for the Shriver Project. They're the ones that gave you the 17 new um, attorneys to represent tenants that are low income. Um, to your statement, Mike, no good deed goes unpunished. All these people, and I, they come in and I talk to them, they said, but I've let them live there for 15 years and they've paid not even half the rent, the rent that they should have. One of the things you need to be aware of, just as, as a psychological thing, because I get to see this, after a tenant gets to about five to eight years living there, they think they own it. They don't think it's yours anymore. They think it's theirs. And when you try doing something, they're going to scream like a, a, a wounded banshee. We don't want that. So, Mike, that's... You've seen it. Yeah, we all have seen it. And maybe those are the people that you want to pick off and use that money to try and clean things up. But do look at the substantial renovation. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Because um, part of it in that clause as well is you can do environment, you can get just cause to get them out for doing environmental abatement As, asbestos yeah, lead so, paint I mean, things like that i mean asbestos is in pretty much every but they are ceiling. still i think so the, no i'm just asking yeah. you no like, i think the courts are a, still good you, you, it's certainly a, a, a possibility but i bet you could do all that renovation in less than 30 days with a competent contractor so it's you have to show that you moved heaven and earth i think before you're before i'm going to say Let's give them the notice, get them out. So on that note, is there any addendums that we should be adding to our leases? Uh, our Take it, Molly. <laughs> That's it. There is mandatory language in the bill that you have to have in your rental agreements by July 1 for new residents and August 1 for existing residents. And it basically just... It's prescriptive. You can just copy and paste it. It's in our rental agreement already. It basically just says this law exists and under it, you know, your rents are capped, blah, blah, blah. 
There's also a mandatory disclosure you will want to put in your rental agreement if you don't have it already that talks about owner move-in. Because if you don't have that in there, and they essentially agree to it by virtue of signing their rental agreement, then you won't be able to move into your own home. Um, and then lastly, if, you have, if you're fortunate enough to have an exempt property, you need to give them exemption language. Now, here's the funny thing. I keep getting calls from our members because we have two paragraphs of exemption language because there's, it, it's in two places in the bill. Well, it, they look like they're identical, but they're not. One of them references the different code sections that don't exist. This is how poorly they wrote the bill. They can't even copy and paste. So if you see duplicative language, that's why. But you need to give your tenants notice that you're exempt or your exemption does not exist. <clears throat> Can I add something to sure. thoughts that are coming through here? Um, so landlords in San Diego have had it pretty good for decades with regards to not having to spend too much money for people like Rick to get us out of trouble. Um, and when we underwrite deals, there's, there's a taxes, utilities, landscaping, insurance, legal, legal and administration, which historically has been like zero or a thousand bucks because Rick has to write a couple nasty grams or maybe an eviction once in a while. But I think budgeting moving forward, owners should really budget in more money for legal protection. And that really comes down to an expense line item on your expenses, which affects your cap rate. And um, so that's one thing. And then a couple big owners that we kind of um, are close with think that just tenants will feel more entitled um, as this kind of rolls on. And that could create some, some more resistance with rent increases or getting, you know, kind of protecting your position. Abs Chris, I absolutely agree, and I yeah. thank you for that plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I listen to Los Angeles News, and I listen and hear them talking about people that don't have a, a place to live. We're going to give them an entitlement. Everyone's going to get to live roof over their head, and everyone in this room is going to help pay for that. There's something wrong with this picture. There's something really wrong with this picture. Um, we're all going to try and fight and make it work, but um, this is going to be maybe Armageddon here. I don't know. You know, every, we see people leaving California in droves. I was born and raised here. I've never left, other than an occasional vacation, but it doesn't seem fair. How come? Because we have politicians. I didn't mean to get political here, but we've got some politicians that they care about one thing, continuing to be politicians. And... You know, Molly, you guys are really good trying to, you know, get rid of the politics of stuff and get down to what really can work. But, you know, you got a Gavin Newsom who is much more concerned about being the governor, maybe running for president. Yeah. So, um, 
it, it, keep your eye on it. Keep your eye on it. Don't give up. It's still a great place to live, except tonight when it starts raining. Chris, do you think um, this is deterring buyers just locally? Do you, are, what are you, what are you well, seeing? I was, was going to say one thing also because, you know, I, I love what you're saying, Rick, and you're, yeah. So I love what Rick's saying. He's protecting us. And, but if you own real estate and you, your debt service is low and you don't have to sell, fundamentally we still live in a golden place to own apartments. Like we're very fortunate. So it's, there, there's a lot of good stuff if you are a long-term owner. Um, as far as buyers coming in, um, the larger players are kind of getting pickier and looking at a lot of stuff but not making moves on as much. Um, we're starting to see a lot of, I don't want to call it stupid money, but the economy is so, the economy is booming. It has been, and it continues to do so. So there's a lot of people still seeking multifamily for just um, wealth preservation or getting more return than 1% in the bank, even if they're buying a 2%, 3% cap rate, which is crazy to me. But, and they're getting depreciation tax shelter. So, more the buyers still are coming in, and I just think that there's new money that's kind of um, supported by a healthy economy. Uh, but a lot of the existing players are just kind of being pickier, um, and it's it's a lot harder to find return. I mean, people that are return oriented, which is a smart way to buy apartments, as Alan can attest, um, it's the the runway to get up to. Your five, six, seven, eight percent cash on cash or return on equity now is two years. So if you're buying, you better really like that property and and really want it kind of more of as a long term addition. I don't know if that answers. No, Alan, um, what do you think? Is this still a good place to invest in? Let me look at the big picture here. You talk about the remodels go great in the closer in urban areas. It's true, of course. But what we're seeing here, and you've really seen it over the past two decades, that the really good areas have started to spread. So you went from Bankers Hill to Hillcrest, then into North Park, and we see it moving out into Normal Heights, and city heights, so the city changes. And maybe you want to be ahead of the game and just wait it out a little bit because you know that you can still buy better in the areas that are not lovable at the moment, but they're going to keep pushing out, and they too will have its day. Yeah. Mike. Do you, are you, I mean, you're appraising a lot of deals all the time. What do you, what's your kind of overview on all this about, do you still think this is going to be a good place to buy and what are you kind of seeing or what do you think? Um, I mean, long term, it's always going to be a great place because we don't build enough housing. So it's just from that standpoint, owning, can you not hear? Is that better? Sorry. Um, long term, it's always going to be a great place to own apartments because we don't build enough housing and it's we're not even and it's statewide it's citywide it's 
countywide, it's we're not even close. I mean, affordable, any kind of housing. So unless there's like a major recession or something like that, that's what, yeah, we'll definitely feel it. But even in the last recession, apartments were the one sector that just came out of it glowing relative to everyone else. Let me do another take. The inventory of apartments that are 16 units or less hasn't changed in decades. All of the apartment growth has been in large projects. So you're dealing with a finite number of units. We're not in the days when Ray Huffman would put up 30 or 40 projects a year. Doesn't exist anymore. So if you're playing in the arena with smaller projects, you're really dealing in an arena where there will be no future additional competition. So you, you're a winner. And you're still a winner moving forward, you're saying, just to be real clear. You still think it's a winning bet moving forward? Oh, yeah. Just to be okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like it when I was paying 20000 a unit for apartments. Yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Alan, with that said, my question to you then is, um, when I first started this, started praising apartments was in the late 90s. And I can remember things just like you're saying, 30,000, 40,000 a unit. I mean, I remember, I remember when I was getting pushed back for using a nine cap. Um, I mean, so with that said, now you look at a, a property that may have sold 20 years ago for 40,000 that's selling for a unit that's selling for 240,000 a unit. So my question, can you envision in another 20 years that kind of growth? And that's as someone that's in it and doesn't buy a lot of things, I have a hard time coming to grips going, okay, like seeing that kind of appreciation again. I don't think you'll see it. I really don't. You know, the other thing that bothers me now is, and I love condo conversions, but you can't make the numbers work anymore. So in the last run-up, we had an enormous number of units that got converted from rental to condo. You can't do that anymore. I don't know if there are any condo conversions in the county today. No, I mean, 06, 07, and then kind of tapered off. We haven't really seen, I haven't seen that really come back at all. Alan, um, Mike mentioned the R word, recession. Can you kind of just give us quickly what, what, especially for San Diego, California, I mean, do you see this affecting anything majorly? But what, what is, what's the outlook for the next year or two? Okay. Recessions are not mandatory. Okay. Uh, Australia has not had a recession since 1991. And... You really don't have to have one. What you have to have to have a recession, typically, is a, one president who will do the wrong thing or do nothing when they should have done something. And that has been the cause of the last three recessions that we've had. Right now, our president hasn't done anything to hurt our economy. And I don't see him doing it. What do you think for um, 
being a real estate investor in San Diego, what does it look like over the next 10 years? You mentioned that you don't see the same appreciation, but what, what do you see happening? No, I, I just see a rather steady growth in value. And it's sort of interesting, it's in different segments. The uh, first class office market now is doing incredibly well because you've got, you know, you have Apple coming in, taking down 400,000 square feet and they only want a space. So that market is booming at the moment, and it was sort of dead three, four years ago. So a lot of people moving in. More jobs, better jobs, higher well, paying jobs. I mean, we continue to grow by 20-some thousand people a year. We need, we really need 12,000 new households a year. We're not building anywhere near that much, and our construction is actually going down uh, particularly in multifamily. So this year we probably, I mean, in uh, 2019, I think we barely did 8,000 multifamily, and a big chunk of those were for sale townhouses down in Otay Ranch. So we're definitely not building enough to match demand. So, um, Alan, starting with you, do you think this um, rent control law is going to affect more the tenant or the landlord in the long run? I think equal. Rick? Nobody wins in this situation. There may be some temporary wins. Everybody loses. Well, maybe not the lawyers. I was going to say, <laughs> you guys always win. This is ridiculous. That's because we, we stack the deck. Chris, don't change that line on him too much. I already see what's going on here. Chris, what do you think? A rising tide raises all boats. So there you go. You know, everybody's gonna now. Now the land. Now most landlords are gonna feel like they they're gonna stick it to the government, stick it to the tenant, and they're gonna raise their rents. Where a lot of what we've seen over the last decade has been just a lot of complacency and owners sitting on their rent roll for years and not doing increases. So as that becomes more common and you raise your your tenant, say, 5 6%, they get pissed off and go look elsewhere. Well, I think everybody else is going to be doing the same thing. So I, I think that whole tide is going to be rising. Molly? I tend to agree with these gentlemen. Um, ultimately, what I, what I think is, listen, rent control has existed in numerous jurisdictions for a lot of years, and landlords have weathered that storm, right? They figured out how to operate there. And ultimately, while this is a new landscape, I think people will figure it out as long as they don't change it constantly. That's, I think, what makes it difficult. Um, what I'm more concerned about, and I don't, you know, it, Rick touched on this a little bit, is, for instance, in the city of San Diego, there are already efforts to change the just cause ordinance, not only to mirror state law, but to go a little bit further. And this is on the heels of the source of income ordinance that was passed that saw a lot of landlords get sued for innocent mistakes. And so I'm more concerned, and, and you guys, you know, you're, you're far smarter than I am. It's not my bailiwick, the, the economics of it. But I'm wondering, when, when is that straw, or what is that straw going to be that's going to break the camel's back? And really, um, you know, a large part of our membership is the independent owner, roughly 65%. So at what point... Are those folks who have invested for their retirement, what have you, going to say, forget it. It's just too hard to operate. And then they're going to turn around and they're going to sell. And who are they going to sell to? 
who's going to swoop in? The, the all cash buyer, you know, the investors that are not bad, by the way, but legislatures like to vilify somehow, and the speculators, they're the ones gonna, that are going to buy these properties, and then you're not going to have maybe that personal touch at rental properties anymore, you know, the owners that know their tenants, and then the legislature is going to be mad that this is happening, even though they created it. So, you know, it would be interesting to hear from owners at what point they just say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. It's not, I don't even think it's about the money. I think it's just cumbersome at this point. Mike? I kind of tend to go with Chris. I, I don't think, I think we'll, the market will adjust. It's just another nuance that, that people have to deal with. Um, going on what you said, I, with regards to owners not knowing their tenants, my one recommendation of doing praising properties for 20 years and people always ask me, hey, who's a good management company? Who's the best management company? And typically I will say the owner because they're most invested and they watch their line items the best. But with that said, if my suggestion to you based on my knowledge of just interacting with some of the largest independent owners in town that have thousands of units, the best way to own is not know your tenants. It's a business. That's what it is. It's a, it's a business. If you're giving them below market rent, you're just like the government subsidizing them. That's bottom line. I told some, uh, an, a lady in Coronado that had a tenant in her building at 800 bucks a month, and it should have been like 3500 And I just, <laughs> and, and I'm serious, and I just asked her, I said, do you realize you're like, you're subsidizing your tenant like 20-something thousand dollars a year? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, that's what the market rent is, and you're only charging her that. Like, you're subsidizing her, and she never thought of it that way. But as an owner, that's how you should think of it because it's a business. It's bottom line. Any uh, final thoughts before we take questions from anybody out there? I've got a question for anybody up here. Um, there's a lot of building of nice A-class stuff downtown. And I'm curious on absorption if that will be filled and if that if that can or you think it will affect Golden Hill and some of the the markets around there, Bankersville. Um, there's a lot of supply, well, it seems. The downtown market is uh, quickly becoming glutted, and the new buildings are not renting up as fast, and their concessions being given, but they're averaging 350 a square foot and sometimes higher, and that's, let me put it this way, there are not many people who work downtown. You know, I'll give you the exact number. There are 80,000 people who actually work in downtown San Diego, only 14% of them are professionals. So when you talk about filling up thousands of very expensive apartments, you're having to rely on folks who reverse commute uh, or wealthy retirees. And we don't have a large number in that category. So. The downtown units, and there are thousands more under construction right now, another 3,000 are under construction, um, they're going to have a tough time on it. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's very difficult to build a new project in San Diego in the urban core with rents under 350 a square foot. The numbers just don't work. They may temporarily be down at three, 
but the pro forma is at 350. So that has a rollover effect to other areas, and their rents gradually go to catch up, or they, in the past they were able to yeah. catch up. Yeah. Any other final thoughts? I'll try not to get, uh, stay on my soapbox too long, um, but one of the questions I was asked, kind of, what could you all do to, to help on these issues going forward? And I was just having this conversation with John, and we have a real big problem with the image of a landlord, right? You're all slumlords. Um, and the face of a landlord is typically not a good one. And we almost need, like, a public image campaign to really change that. You guys are not slumlords. You're rental housing providers. What about there it? There you go. Robbo. <laughs> Robbo, you're for hire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but ultimately, you, you all do other things than just own rental property, right? You probably give to charity, or you're on a board for a charity, you're in a rotary, PTA, whatever the case may be. And in those circles, you know, I would encourage you, tell people you're a landlord. A lot of times, you, you know, you feel like you can't say that because you get vilified. But ultimately, you're all good people who are providing housing. You're providing shelter, and, and you don't get enough respect for that. So blow your own horn. Tell people, I, I provide rental housing. I provide roofs over people's head. And help us change the face of the landlord. I mean, we'll do what we can on our advocacy side of things, but you guys, y you're the boots on the ground. So help us help you. <laughs> and give money, because I, I hate to tell you this, the Prop 10 from 2018 is coming back this year, Prop 10 2.0, so, um, and a split role measure as well. Hmm. What's that prop? Does anybody um, doesn't know? They, have, they don't have numbers yet, I don't think. What is it, what is it in detail? Uh, so one would alter cost of Hawkins, similar to Prop 10 from a few years ago, except the nuance on vacancy decontrol is a little bit different. It wouldn't um, remove it altogether. It would kind of give you a limited percentage over three years. Uh, the split roll measure is going to change the way your commercial and industrial properties are taxed. Essentially, gone are those caps. Um, it'll still exist for residential, but um, if this passes, yeah, uh, it, it'll be reassessed to market value. And the reason you should be concerned, even if you don't have those types of properties, this is camel's nose under the tent. What do you think they're coming for next? Multifamily, and then eventually your single family. Hmm. Gotta love California. Anybody have any questions? Uh oh, Don and his fancy clothes. Thanks. So the, the someone told me that the that the that the retroactive going back to March is there's a federal law that says you can't do that. What's the chances? And I know it has to get appealed first. Someone has to sue, and then it's appealed. What's the chances that that the retroactive aspect will, will eventually go away? I don't see that happening. I really That's don't. That's not what we wanted to hear. No, I, no, they're going. You're going to have to. Well, no, you're not going to give that money back. You don't have to give the money back that you got that you shouldn't have gotten. But no, I. So you don't think someone's going to sue on that appeal and it'll get overturned because it because there's a federal law that says you can't go retroactive? I, I, I'm not aware of the federal law, okay. Don, so I, I can't help you. you know Thank the, you. Do you know the code section? 
you know, what I will tell you is there is an effort in New York to challenge rent control as a whole as a taking, which has been done before and, and ultimately has you know, never really worked out to benefit of this industry. But the thought process now is that there are some changes in the courts um, in, in terms of who's you know, <laughs> sitting up there. And also there was recently a decision, uh, I think came out of Pennsylvania, that had to do with um, being able to go straight to the Supreme Court versus having to go to the state courts where they would oftentimes kick you out. So uh, it's not really out there yet, but I will say that I think in the coming year or so, we'll start to hear about that. And it would be awesome if, I mean, of all places, New York can make some um, progress on that being a taking. I think that would... ugly. You know, oh, gosh. And it's gotten dramatically worse since the, the recent changes. But, you know, that precedent would be amazing for us. <laughs> Anybody else? We got some. This is kind of a, a technical question, but uh, maybe maybe Rick knows the answer. Maybe uh, some of you have, have thought through this. Uh, obviously, well, single-family houses are excluded from the statewide rent control. So uh, long as it's owned by not a REIT or a real estate investment trust or LLCs, if it's a human being that owns it, you're, you're not part of this show. So uh, at the urging of the state, there's a lot of activity in ADU, granny flats, uh, all over the place. Uh, in the case of a single family residence with an ADU, does uh, the state rent control bill apply to the ADU? Yes. It doesn't apply to just cause. S say that I, well, there's limited, see this is, it, it, there's so many nuances. If there's an ADU, no, you're not exempt from the rent caps. If you live in one of them, you will be exempt from just cause. The owner, if it's owner-occupied, but... N neither are, uh, they, they are rental properties. You have rented the house. Yeah. No, they're uh, not considered single-family homes. Ultimately, th there's a, a term they use, alienable separate title, I believe. Well, you need to be able to sell the home by itself and the other rental by itself, and you can't do that. So sometimes, like, if you have three houses on a lot, even though they're single-family homes, they're three units on a parcel. So, so if you have a single-family home on, on a single-family lot and you add an ADU, they both become subject to uh, the state rent control? Yeah, both, if you're renting both? them, yeah. Okay. If, if you just build a granny flat and it's there to be like your art studio and you're not renting, that's different. <laughs> okay, thank you. Sure. Oh. Hi. Um, if I've got a tenant and I gave them 60-day notice, I pulled permits, the whole major renovation thing, um, and then he, he's paying 800 and then he asked me, um, he says, well, what are you going to raise it to? And I said, 16 and he said, tell you what, um, he's a month-to-month -month tenant, he said, we'll sign a new lease, and I'll, without you doing anything, I'll pay 16 to stay here. Can I do that? Good question. You can do that, but you're going to lose. <laughs> you, you can, no, you, but, that, you're circumventing the law. They're but, never going to let that happen. But even, even though, obviously, he and I are, I mean, he's agreeing to that. Yeah, no. No. There, there is a clause in the bill that says something to the effect of, and, and you can read it, um, that, you know, someone cannot rave their rights in contrary to public policy. So even if they agree to it, you're not safe. They can come back, you know, you can piss them off, and they'll come back in a month. It, exactly, when you guys don't get along, and then they go, hire this guy right here. 
you're well, in trouble. I only represent they're the gonna hire, side. They're gonna, when they hire they're gonna hire Christian you Kern. Hire yeah. yeah, I know. What if he nullifies? What if he nullifies the um, rental agreement, and then signs up a new one? The some tenant lawyer is going to get a hold of it, and tear it apart. You are pl you're playing with a whole bunch of fire. If you play with fire, you get burned. Don't get burned. Okay. What if I move him? It's a triplex. Sorry. <laughs> Monopolizing this. What if I move him into another unit? Oh, come on, Rich. <laughs> and what if I add his girlfriend to the, like, terminate, terminate the lease and add his girlfriend? <laughs> right, yeah. What I would tell you to do, and, and Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, I would tell them to give you a 30-day notice to move. And then that way, you're not giving the notice. They can leave whenever they want. And then if they want to move into your new unit or the other unit, I think that would be. You got a chance. Yeah. You got so a chance. They give, sorry. So they give me a 30-day notice to vacate. Yeah. Right? I accept. In uh, writing. It, right. And That's then, the law. And then, so at the end of those 30 days, he, I, and his girlfriend sign a new lease. And at, at the 1600 rate, and then we're okay. And when, and when they get tired of you or you look at them cross-eyed... How could they get tired they of will find, <laughs> They will find a lawyer. And, yeah. Uh, 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 and no, then, and then what would happen then, Rick? You would owe, you would owe back oh, yeah, extra they, rent. They, they, would, they would come after you for all the extra rent. R retroactive rent abatement. Rick, yeah. another question over here. Yes. What if they leave and you rehab their unit, right? And you make it beautiful and they want to come back in and they want to pay market rent? I, I, I like that scenario better. <laughs> See? Okay. So is it still Solution. risky or is it less fire? It's, it's lawyers. It's all, there's always risk. There's, there are no guarantees. And not only, it's, it's not just the lawyers. It's the judges. Yeah. I've got some judges who I just won't appear in front of because they are bleeding hearts. And I don't need that in my business. So I have a question for Alan. The state of California apparently is going to mandate so much housing in the next five or ten years and it's a pretty large number. Do you think that could affect vacancy factors in San Diego? I don't know how you get below zero. <laughs> but they're going to add. They're going to add. Apparently, they're they're going to make cities build so many units that we haven't really had that man mandated effort through the years. But now it looks like it's going to happen. So my question is: Do you see that? being a problem in five or ten years if we have to build 10,000 or 20, you know, whatever the number is, could that create a vacancy factor? Yeah, the, the problem is that whatever they mandate that we build is going to wind up being with rents at $3 a foot or more, and that doesn't help the people who really need to get into apartments here. And unfortunately, the way the legislators have fashioned the tax credit acts, it's almost impossible to build an affordable unit here for under 400000 a unit. 
do we think in underwriting this raises management fees? The, the job of the management company, in my opinion, got harder. I don't know. <laughs> so, management. Attorneys want to charge more money, not management. Say that again. What's that? Say yeah, that one. Do you, do you think property managers are going to charge more? No, I don't think so. I don't either. Yeah. Percent. Yeah, it's a percentage. I haven't heard of I don't, any. I don't think that's like going to that change. Up yet, so. I don't think that'll change. Fair question. That's a good question. Question is, uh, who is going to enforce this law? Is it just going to come down to a tenant by tenant Courts. basis? Courts. Yeah. Ju judges. <laughs> judges. Right. But is it going to come down? There's not going to be like a rent control board that you see happening or. Okay. So oh, they're, t they're talking about that. Yeah. Okay. That's what they're thinking about. They, mm -hmm. we, we dodged that bullet. Yeah, I mean, there was the effort at the state, but I will say this, and um, the uh, Councilman Chris Ward asked the independent budget analyst in the city of San Diego to do a quick report on rent boards. They are eyeballing something like that, almost like an enforcement entity for tenants on different laws. Not only this one, but just cause and other things. Um, Excuse me. Obviously, we'll fight that tooth and nail because if you know anything about rent boards in other jurisdictions, they have multi-million dollar budgets. They are not accountable to anybody in most cases, and they can kind of do whatever they want. Um, but, yeah, it's a very real fear, and it's a, that's a really good question. Uh, I think there's a lot of people out there. I know in other states when they have laws like that, their code enforcement or their housing departments are also the enforcement entities. And... Do you see that adding, you know, potentially to who, who's going to pay for possibly something like that, a rent control board? You, sir. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, usually it is, they're all funded by landlord fees. So much like the Shriver Act, where when you file an unlawful detainer, portion of your fee goes to legal aid, sorry, to, to sue yourself. Um, it, it's going to be, it's the same with rent control boards. It's all funded by per unit fees from property owners. Anyone else? I have a question regarding notifications. Um, so you have units that are less than 50, that was built less than 15 years ago. Is there hold, a Hold the mic speak closer up a little to your bit. mouth. Yeah. Okay. So regarding notifications, so if you have a building that or a house that was built less than 15 years ago, is there a notification letting them know that they're not subject to the... Yes, absolutely. Okay. It's, it's, it, if you got one of the handouts that I had, it, it gives you the paragraphs to put in that you need to send to your tenant saying, you are not part of this law. Okay, because when, when I was reading the wordings of the... the yeah, that, now you know difficult. the problems I, ex uh, I live with, trying to read that stuff. Right, so, yeah. okay. And then, how about for units that are Section 8? Those, do we have to notify them also with these same... So this the, is one of those fun areas of the bill where it's really poorly defined. There is debate on whether or not Section 8 is exempt or not. The author himself didn't mention Section 8 in his Q&A. He just talks about affordable units. The way it's written is horrible. Um, I did just hear that Ledge Council came down with an opinion that they are not, or that they are exempt. But on the heels of passing SB 329 to mandate you accept Section 8, I can't believe that that was their intention. So we're trying to get clarification on that. For the time being, I would just say treat everybody the same. You know, I mean, I know that 
Section 8 isn't a fun process, but until we get clarity, I would hate for you to get sued. Well, Rick wants you a to A little sued. insight into this. Um, the Shriver attorneys believe that Section 8 isn't going to be part of this. Is not? That, that's what, that is what their opinion is. Now, it could change you know, the drop of a hat, but right now they're saying, no, nope, we're not, Section 8 is exempt from this. Okay, so specifically, if we have a Section 8 property, uh, we can raise it, we can't still raise it above the 7 point whatever? I would tell you, in an abundance of caution, use 7.2%, and then Section 8 will keep sending you, and, and maybe they will send you more money guaranteed. Of course, you're still stuck with that Section 8 tenant, hopefully not next door to you. But yeah, I, I would, I'd be cautious because, remember, a legislator's job is to continue to be a legislator. And those rent boards, same thing. They just want to, once they're on, they, they, it's love, it's a great job. <laughs> you know, spending all of our money. So if, um, if they believe that Section 8 is... You said is not part of this, right? That's that's so, what I got so far. Okay, so if 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 you apply to Section Eight for your seven point two percent increase and they deny you, where does that leave the landlord? Ooh, great question. I guess it would fall into the category of you've offered them to to renew the lease, and they have Section Eight has denied it. And since they're a part of it, uh, maybe you get to get rid of them. Maybe. Great question. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting question. First off, I mean, Section 8, they're gonna, they do a rent reasonableness comparison of your other units and similar units. And if they deny you, you can come back with, like, four comps from the area to try to plead your case. And sometimes they'll be kind. Um, I had another thought. It just escaped me <laughs> of... The other thing to consider with Section 8 is it's not that easy to get rid of them now because you can't simply terminate a tenancy based on the fact that they have a voucher. Now, that's how like some legal aid attorneys and what have you will interpret it. Oh, well, you're not terminating it because the rent increase wasn't approved. It's because they're in Section 8. So I, I don't know. It, it remains to be seen how they'll come down on that. Any other questions? For a value add buyer that's like looking to buy a maybe a hundred, two hundred unit place, um, how would you change your underwriting? Would you think it would take maybe three, four years to get everyone up to market, or kind of how do you expect underwriting to change in that that area? I want to represent you on that deal, by the way. <laughs> that's a good commission. Um, yeah, the runway's longer, right? But as as Alan and a lot of the people up here have, have said, you know, 7% over and over is going to add up pretty quickly. I think it's just going into it um, with a, with feeling grounded on, on where you're at on kind of your year one. And if I'm going to go buy a place that's tough to manage in a questionable neighborhood, I'm not going to do it for a 3 or 4% return. So it's got to be, you know, for me, it's got to be worth my time to do it. So it just depends on where that asset is. If it's coastal and you're breaking even, 
but there's a lot of runway for growth, then you know, buy a 2% cap rate if you believe in it. Um, I, th I think the underwriting, um, I don't think management's going to really move around much. The legal, I would budget for some more legal uh, protection as, that, as stuff comes up, for sure. And um, I'm still curious on the utility, um, like incorporating rubs. You know, if you, if you do that as a new deal to create another income stream on your P&L, is that going to be looked at as negative? Because it's not rent. I'm still it's a little... A, it's yeah, you're right. It's a cost, you know, and, and it's not your cost. It's the tenant's responsibility. Um, if you keep it separate, it's not rent. If you don't call it rent, it's not rent. If you call it rent, as the argument is, because as utilities go up in cost... That's part of the cost of living. It's supposedly factored into that 2.2%. I say get, I, maybe ask for forgiveness if you, you <laughs> <off>. <laughs> I mean, um, but to answer your question or to finish it, um, I don't think much changes with the underwriting. It's just finding the deal. And I think it's going to be harder to find those deals moving forward. Any final questions? Well, it's really um, two points. One is, it's a, it's basically a gift to l landlords who've been in the business a long time. If you've owned property 10, 20 years, and now you get to raise the rent 7%, in 10 years, a $2,000 rent becomes just under 4000 I mean, come on. Most equities don't do that. That's yeah. not going to happen. Current surprise to me on Mission Beach property. I get a notice from my land lender. They changed the flood maps. And I don't know if people have this. A new additional insurance policy beyond your existing fire and liability, blah, blah. $7,000 policy. Now, I just got notice this week. Then I'm greeting and realizing cities like Miami, where are they going to go? They're not going to get be able to get municipal bonds. And mortgage lenders, you know, those loans will be underwater. So just wonder those kind of issues that are beyond the traditional landlord-tenant story, meaning climate change, there are deniers, but guess what? The insurance companies are not ignoring it. Any final questions? Everybody's just absorbing all this, swallowing it. Right. I think the bar is still open. Yeah. The, the, the bar's open. Alan's thirsty. Um, Kenny, good, good job, man. I would say, I would say, guys. Um, I mean, I, I would say, I would say, look. In my opinion about this whole thing is just like in real estate, if you've owned property, if you've managed property, we finance property, do all this. I think the most important thing is, is just make sure you have a good team. Um, you have a good broker, you have a good lender, 
you have good appraisers, good attorneys, um, get involved and, uh, and just focus on those type of things. Things are going to happen, but at the end of the day, I think uh, if you have a good team around you and you know what you're doing, as uh, Rob or somebody said, the, the, big, the big apartment guys, yes, they're bigger. They're not really, this isn't going to stop them. They're going to continue to buy because they understand long term you're going to win. And then they also have good, they have a good team and they know what they're doing. So that's my final thought. Otherwise, I want to thank everybody up here for your time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.